This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, you're listening to Beyond the Ballot Box with me, Dashran Johan. We are a few days away from the 15th General Elections, GE15, happening on the 19th of November. So on the show today, we are going to be taking a look at where we are right now. We are on the last mile of, um, you know, on the road to GE15. How are political parties doing on the campaign trail? What's voter sentiment like on the ground? And who could possibly emerge victorious on Saturday? So joining me on the show today to discuss this is Dr. O. A. San. He's a principal advisor at the Pacific Research Centre. Welcome to the show, Isan. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Very, very busy nowadays. Yeah, I can only imagine how busy you are on the road to GE15. So let's get right into the discussion. Um, I would like to start the discussion, Isan, by addressing voter turnout. Because if we look at um, you know, political nerd circles on Twitter, for example, the en- energy levels and, and fervour is incredibly high right now. It is almost as if it's wartime. But what is the sentiment on the ground, Isan? Are people engaged? Are they interested? Are they going to turn out to vote? Or are people completely checked out since Lanka Sheraton? Well, I, I think uh, anecdotally, uh, you know, most of our friends around us uh, would say they think the, the the voting process is an exercise in futility, and they are not coming to uh, coming out to vote. Uh, they were afraid of uh, uh, COVID coming back, and and so on. They have thousands and one uh, excuses of not coming out uh, to vote. I have been hearing this consistently for the last uh, at least half, if not the whole year. And uh, it has not changed. But of course, I think as uh, Pakatan Harapan speakers, leaders and speakers who are very eloquent speakers, uh, as they go around the speaking circuit, uh, they sort of rouse up uh, a bit of enthusiasm. But how much that could translate to Pakatan Harapan voters coming out to vote, I think that remains to be seen. Uh, the, the, the reason we are emphasizing Pakatan Harapan is because, uh, well, they have uh, they don't have uh, the advanced machinery to mobilize voters to come out to vote uh, as with uh, let's say amno if you have a low voter turnout uh, it will benefit amno definitely because um, it, however low the overall uh, uh, voter turnout amno would have the superior machinery to turn them out yeah you know, we talk about low voter turnout. Um, when we look at GE14, right, Isan, people often like to talk about how it was monumental in terms of voter turnout because 80, it was an 80% voter turnout. But when talking about percentages, right, people sometimes forget that that was 80% out of those who registered to vote because um, prior to um, just a few months ago, um, in fact, um, you know, people had to actually register to vote. You had to go to the post office, uh, make, uh, you know, register there, and then only you'll be eligible to vote. Now, with automatic voter registration, the entire adult population are considered eligible registered voters. And if the 12 million people, Isan, who showed up to vote in GE14 showed up again, it will only be 58% voter turnout. Do you think we can get to 80% again this year? Um, if not 80%, then perhaps 67 to 70%, because when we look at many mature democracies around the world, when 
the country's hit around 67 to 70% voter turnout on average year to year? Well, uh, number one, we are not an advanced and mature uh, democracy. Right. We are at best a democracy in transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are looking at this uh, automatically registered uh, voters, Number one, I think, uh, well, in the first place, they did not quite bother to register themselves. That shows that, uh, you know, with the political process, uh, they might not be very interested and so on. So how many of these voters would actually turn out to vote? I think that is also a question. And then a lot of them, because they are automatically registered, I think, according to their IC address, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say, you you, you, you know, you, you were originally from some other state and then now you come to KL to to, to work and so on. I mean, to to drive back to your original state to vote, I think that takes uh, some effort. Unless you have the level of enthusiasm of being able to change government in 2018, I think it's uh, very hard put for these people to go back to their respective states uh, to, to, to vote. And uh, if you judge further from the uh, numbers in uh, Malacca, and in Johor during the state elections, uh, those numbers, if I remember correctly, 55 to 60 percent at most, right. Sarawak as well. So let's give it another 5 percent. So we are talking about 65 percent. Yeah. Right. Okay. So um, 65 percent uh, voter turnout would be considered um, pretty decent or good, in fact, um, in during GE15. Let's talk about how each coalition has been holding up on the road to GE. Perhaps the most interesting um, case, I would say, is uh, BN. Because now they are operating um, without their number one campaigner, which is the disgraced former Prime Minister Bosco Najib Raza. Uh, a report from Malaysia Kini recently highlighted that the likes of um, AMNO President Zaid Hamidi, um, even Ismail Sabri, um, have mostly just been campaigning within their own constituencies, trying to galvanise their hardcore base, rather than touring nationwide to convey a unified message. What is your read on the BN situation? Well, in, indeed, uh, I think going into the uh, election period, uh, they were running quite strong, but I think they perhaps uh, lost a little bit of steam over the last uh, week or, or, or so. You saw both Zahid uh, and uh, Ismail Sabri uh, sort of cocooning themselves in their own constituencies because, well, number one, you need to first win your own seat, right? Mm-hmm. Before you could talk about becoming the next prime minister or, or, or so. So I think that for them that's uh, important. But lacking such a, shall we say, a rousing figure to go on the speaking circuit, such as Anwar going around the country, such as even uh, Shafi Abdal uh, was running around the country, right? right? Then you, you can't create that kind of, uh, what we Chinese would say, we Wind. You can't create that gust of wind <laughs> right. to uh, sort of propel you upwards. Uh, sometimes it becomes very difficult. Yeah. So would you say that um, um, you know Amno, um, especially when we look at who were um, you know sort of pushing the prime minister to dissolve parliament and call for early elections? Do you think it was um, perhaps overconfidence on their part, or perhaps a miscalculation on their part? Um, assuming perhaps they looked at the the Johor state election results and the Malacca state election results and assumed that, you know, um, luck would be on their favour once again. Do you think it was a miscalculation on their end? 
Well, of course, uh, when when the dice uh, is cast so cold, and and if they did not perform as well as uh, they 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 expected themselves to be, uh, so then the blame game would start, right? I mean, the, the mainstream faction of Amno would say, "Hey, I told you to 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 dissolve Parliament right after Johor. Why didn't you do that?" That's right. all. So you will see yet another uh, round of Amno <laughs> un, internal uh, bickering and 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 such. But uh, of course, uh, you know, one has to make the at least for me the most conservative uh, estimation. You must always think of Amno as being a strong and invincible. And only then would you be able to, uh, you know, to not let down your your guard because Amno really uh, is in possession of uh, many many resources here. Right, and on the flip side, Isan, um, the other largely ethnocentric Islamist um, coalition, um, I'm talking about Perikatan National, seems to be. Um, you know, on, on the complete opposite of Amno, they seem to be very uh, visible on the campaign trails. You see them on Facebook ads. Um, they've bought ad spaces on news agencies. Um, we've seen some of the billboards, um, for example, um, Peja's billboard in, in all over Tambon, um, you know, the, the, the whole never lost in Tambon um, billboards and, and things like that. Um, compared to Amno, um, they seem to be way more visible um, this time around. How do you read the situation? Well, number one, uh, they were equally visible in Malacca and in uh, Johor. Right. Uh, with uh, At that time, I still remember, Abba's uh, image uh, was like on every poster and billboard uh, in Johor and in uh, Malacca, right? But uh, at the end of the day, they did not perform so well. I think uh, what is really the distinguishing factor for them would be to what extent uh, uh, past will be able to win seats. Uh, I think a lot of us are predicting that uh, while uh, Bersatu may not perform as well as it would like to be, past uh, could perform very well. In fact, if you look one level down to, to let's say, the Pahang state election, which is, by the way, also concurrent right, with the federal election, there were even talks of uh, uh, past uh, possibly uh, uh, sort of uh, winning the majority in Pahang and thereby forming the next Pahang state government. So I think PAS certainly is uh, running strong. For those who dislike Amno, I think they will run to PAS and to a lesser extent uh, Besatu here. I'm wondering if we are looking at a situation because for the longest time, people, you know, um, seem to position or the perception was Barisa National Amno is the number one choice in the Malay heartland and people tended to you know make fun of of, of Brikata National or even even pass for that matter oh it's just a party that is stuck in Kelantan and Trengganu and they can they, they are not very popular elsewhere but when we look at the numbers of election results um, you know of the, the recent elections even when we analyze um, GE14 we know that pass is becoming um, increasingly incredibly popular um, as well as just like how you alluded to um, um, just a few seconds ago. I'm wondering, Isan, is, are we looking at a situation where if we are talking about a split peninsula, a peninsula that could be split three ways, are we looking at a possibility where Perikatan National does better than Amno Barisa National? 
Well, there were, of course, uh, poll numbers which shows which predicts uh, that Parakatan uh, may perform even better than Amno. And if that were the case, uh, I think largely uh, it will be the the work of uh, Pass rather than uh, uh, Bersatu. Huh? I think uh, Pass uh, is uh, getting a stronger pool among those, uh, shall we say, conservative Malays who also may not be comfortable with uh, the the various ways of AMNO, uh, but uh, they are equally uncomfortable with the various, uh, what they perceive as the liberal, uh, 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 permissive ways of uh, uh, sorry, Pakatan Harapan, and thereby the choice is then very clear. It's uh, it's past. So uh, for, for them, the, the, that, that will be the choice. And you see this kind of... Uh, uh, of uh, situation not only in Malaysia right? you see it in uh, let's say uh, uh, in Turkey they chose an Islamist party and I think increasingly in Indonesia you will see the same phenomenon On the show with me today is Dr. O. E. San Principal Advisor at the Pacific Research Centre he's a political analyst after a break I ask him what role will Gen Z play in this election keep it here on Beyond the Ballot Box BFM 89.9 Welcome back to Beyond the Ballot Box. I'm Dashran Johan. And on the show with me today is Dr. O. E. San, Principal Advisor at the Pacific Research Centre. And he's helping me make sense of our political scene a few days before elections. So, E. San, let's talk about Pakatan Harapan, E. San, because um, there's no doubt that, you know, they are going um, all out. Um, just like GE14, they are going all out. Um, they're making bold moves, um, for example, from parachuting Anwar. Um, who was, you know, usually comfortably defends Port Dixon. Now they're parachuting Anwar to Tambon. Um, DAP is fielding many Malay candidates, um, the, the, the most Malay candidates they've ever fielded. Um, Pakatan Harapan as a whole is touring up and down the country. Uh, even if we look prior to official um, campaign season, um, Rafizi Ramli Nuroliza and the, uh, their IO Malaysia campaign have been touring for months. Um, they've also made some, but uh, but on the flip side, you know, they've also made some decisions that have rubbed the very progressive activist block the wrong way. Whether it's dropping Charles Santiago, Maria Chin, um, Sivarasa, um, you know, things like that. Um, from your observation, Isan, has Pakatan Harapan managed to inspire conf- confidence among the voters? I think uh, when they again, as they go around the circuit, uh, it will appear that they do. But really, how many of these voters will actually uh, come out to vote? It still comes back to the first question, right? Namely, uh, those who do not come out to vote, I think disproportionately, they are Pakatan supporters. They might be uh, this disillusioned with uh, uh, Sheraton move. They might be disappointed with their favorite. Uh, so-called progressive candidates not being fielded and and so on. I don't think they would, uh, uh, you know, as a sign of protest, vote for the other side. But instead, they simply wouldn't come out to vote. And, you know, first pass the the post uh, type of uh, system, thereby the other side would then have more votes than you. Yeah. So would you say that Pakatan Harpan's biggest challenge is voter turnout? 
Yes, I, I would uh, indeed think so. If they could uh, have a larger voter turnout, I would, I would say the chances of, uh, of uh, clinching an outright parliamentary majority is higher. But uh, with the supporters not coming out, I think it's uh, very difficult. Yeah. Right. So most experts are in agreement that GPS would most likely trounce Pakatan Harapan and, and um, you know, Barubian's PSB in, in, in Sarawak. Um, early estimates indicate that they could win anywhere between 19 to 25 seats, effectively making them kingmakers of sorts, um, depending on the results um, in Peninsula. Who do you think GPS will team up with? I guess first first question is, do you concur with many um, um, other political analysts as well in that GPS is going to just completely, um, you know, dominate um, Sarawak? And on that note, who do you think um, GPS will team up with post-elections? Is their calculations I, uh, a matter of sticking to their long-time friends um, or teaming I, oh, up with the winner? Well, I always uh, make the, the first uh, case scenario type of calculation. Right. I'm actually predicting the GPS winning the 30 seats out of 31. Right. Uh, with the only exception perhaps being uh, Larry, Larry Sunt, uh, all the other seats I'm predicting they will, they will sweep. And that, of course, makes them a very uh, formidable coalition, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the characterization of uh, GPS as a kingmaker perhaps is not a very accurate one. I think uh, a, a more uh, accurate uh, description would be ardent uh, AMNO supporter. Right. They, you see, even during the Pakatan's uh, 22 months rule, uh, uh, GPS or at that time Amno Sarawak did not uh, did not join the, 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 the then federal government. Instead, they stuck with uh, Amno. And when Sheraton move uh, came about, uh, I think they were very elated and they happily joined that coalition. So I think uh, it is almost a foregone conclusion that GPS uh, would go with uh, AMNO because, as you said, they are more, shall we put it very politely, uh, uh, familiar with the ways of AMNO. And in fact, sometimes they replicate uh, what AMNO has been doing uh, quite successfully. Yeah. Would you then say that opposition is perhaps... Um uh, you know, because they seem to indicate, um, you know, they, they've come out in various interviews, including um, uh, Rafizi Ramli has said that, you know, uh, more logical heads will prevail in that sense um, and that um, GPS would fundamentally, ultimately just want to team up with the winner. In fact, some members of GPS have also come out and said that, like, you know, all they want to do is just be in federal government. They, are, they don't really care which side it is. So whoever wins the biggest block in, in Peninsula, especially if it's a sizable block, um, GPS is just going to team up with them. What, what is your take on this? I, I think ultimately, to put it quite bluntly, but also quite br uh, more broadly, if uh, Pakatan Harapan were to be able on Saturday night to clinch an outright parliamentary majority, I mean, namely they, they win more than half the seats, then they could immediately form the government. I think that I'm very confident. But uh, if Pakatan Harapan were not able to clinch an outright uh, uh, parliamentary majority, I think the deep state in this country would try their best 
to make sure the other side uh, would form the federal government. I think I could be as blunt as that. Right. And where does Sabah come into this, uh, come into the picture? Because unlike Sarawak, Sabah doesn't have like one dominant sort of um, local-based coalition such as the, the GPS equivalent. You can argue that Warisan is trying to be that, but it's definitely not that yet. Um, so we also have, you know, APCO, which is under Pakatan Harapan. Then you have other DAP contesting there, PKR contesting there. Then you also have GRS um, there. So there's a lot of things going on in Sabah. What do you think the results of Sabah is going to look like? Well, uh, I, I think in Sabah, it's uh, these various coalitions or even single parties trying to win as many seats as possible. The GIS parties, uh, the uh, BN, as well as Warisan, they would uh, each win a number of seats. And uh, at the end of the day, I think, yeah, perhaps a kingmaker, the, the, uh, the term kingmaker is more appropriate for the Sabah uh, parties because, uh, as you suggested, they could switch uh, either way, uh, depending on, you know, for example, whether they get more cabinet positions or any other such things. Yeah. Why do you think Pakatan Harapan struggles to make serious gains in East Malaysia? Well, uh, because they do not have, uh, frankly speaking, very effective uh, leaders. Mm. Uh, they, they, they do not have, uh, I wouldn't say equivalent, but a semblance of Anwar or Rafizi in either uh, Sabah or, or Sarawak. In Sarawak, frankly speaking, PKR is in shambles after both uh, Barubian and Larry left. Hey, can you imagine, uh, it used to be Larry and Balubian, they were fighting each other within PKR, right? Right. But both left, uh, when both left, and until such an extent, frankly speaking, I don't know who is now the PKR leader in Sarawak. Uh, so when you have this kind of very uh, disintegrated uh, party structure and so on, it's very hard to convince people to, uh, to, to vote for you. Um, DAP is slightly more cohesive. Uh, in in Sarawak, they have Chong Jian Jin, but in Sabah also, they don't have a rather charismatic leader. So it's difficult to progress forward here. Right. Okay, I want to talk to you about uh, the very important block of voters, um, which is yeah, the youth block, um, more especially those um, Gen Z first-time voters among the youth, right? And some studies indicate that 79% of young first-time voters will be showing up to the polls. Um, you touched on this earlier, uh, you know, broadly just talking about voter sentiment across the board. When you zoom in on young people, especially 18 to 21-year-olds, 18 to 24-year-olds, um, do you get a sense that people are excited to come out and vote? Well, some are more excited than uh, others. Right. Uh, frankly speaking, I would be very interested to see how would the rural youth uh, vote because uh, I think for urban youth, uh, either they come out to vote or they don't, right? If they don't, then, well, they are discounted. If they do, uh, then I would agree that most likely, more likely or not, they will uh, vote for the more progressive and reformist uh, side, namely to uh, uh, namely Pakatan, for example. But uh, would uh, the rural young voters have uh, similar sentiments? Eh? Or would their many years of uh, education and indoctrination 
by both national schools as well as uh, some of those schools uh, run by PASS and so on, would that predominate into uh, into their voting decision and thereby they will actually be voting for the more, shall we say, conservative uh, forces. I think that remains to be seen. Do you get the sense that young people are even more polarised than their parents? Because let me bring up a study done by ICS, um, and it And this interesting study by James Chai, it, it indicates that a whopping 40% of Gen Z would vote differently from their parents. But that's not the most interesting part, right? The most interesting part is that BN has the highest rebellion in the household among all. And youth rebels would either go to... Um, Pakatan Harapan or Muda, which you like, uh, likely said, you know, the urban youth uh, centres and whatnot, the children um, are voting for Pakatan Harapan. Um, th- there's also a lot of excitement for Muda. But on the other side, on the, uh, on, you know, on the, on the perhaps the more conservative side, um, you know, they are, the children are, are choosing Parik- Parikatan National, which includes PAS more than, um, um, you know, Barisa National. Um, this is also what you sort of slightly touched on earlier. I, I'm wondering, do you get the sense that children, uh, Gen Z, are, are more polarised than their parents? Um, this sort of, for example, 80, so I think they comprise um, voter registration around more, more than a million. To, and then, but of course, you have 21 to 30 years old and, and, and so on. Uh, of course, uh, for these people, to, uh, you know, so, uh, somewhat of a rebellious uh, spirit is there. You vote differently from uh, your parents. But I think the main point is this. Uh, uh, for urban seat, uh, Pakatan would likely win a lot of them in fact most of them right so your 10 or 20 more votes are very nice but perhaps uh, it, it would not make a difference i mean it, it would still be a pakatan win but in the, let's say more rural areas where pakatan is trying to make uh, inroads uh, then to, you know how those young voters uh, vote uh, did make a difference because very often when we are talking about making inroads, it means whether uh, winning a particular seat, let's say with a few hundred uh, votes instead of uh, like the kind of overwhelming majority in urban areas by Pakatan. Yeah, right. All right, before we wrap this conversation up, Asan, I'd like some final thoughts. And also, um, I, I know, um, you know a lot of uh, experts, analysts, they don't really like to make predictions, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, come this Saturday, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, you know 11 o'clock at night or, you know, we go past to Sunday morning, um, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., who knows what time the results are going to be announced. Come this weekend, who do you think will form the new government? Again, just have to repeat uh, what I'm saying, namely, if Pakatan would like to form the next government, they will have to win an outright parliamentary majority. Huh? Uh, anything short of that, uh, you would see uh, strange bedfellows coming together again. For example, BN and PN, which have been attacking each other over the last year or so, suddenly will hug each other again and uh, GPS would go uh, on board. Uh, so I think uh, either you will see new, well, renew hope for Malaysia <laughs> as you did in 2018 or, or, or you will be so disappointed uh, you are thinking of immigration. Uh, I, I have been banned, but I think, uh, well, I have to say that because uh, well, not a lot of people are coming out to vote. Uh, I hope all of you 
would indeed come out to vote. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. That was Dr. O.A. Sun. He's a Principal Advisor at the Pacific Research Centre. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan and this has been Beyond the Ballot Box, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.